0: We're learning for the first time now that after January 6th, after, you know, everything that happened that day, that hunt continued and they did successfully get access to data from a voting machine in Coffee County and these texts 2 weeks after the breach happened show you for the first time what they were planning to do with it. Oh. Well, what were they planning to do with it? Let's discuss.
1: Well, I don't know why I
0: came here tonight? That's why No it ain't I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Oh hey, here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Ka- uh, Concord, New Hampshire's WNH10; Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, am 950 ktnf we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet's on the progressive voices channel netroots radio radio for humans nicole sandler.com radio free brooklyn workforce rising no lies radio verdant square radio detour talk and most of your favorite podcast sites blanketing planet earth i'm brad friedman Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Boy, howdy. What a show do we have for you today. And Desi Doyen, I want to make it uh, the best show that it can possibly be. Uh, Desiree be- because I hear that oh, yes. you're, you're oh there you are because uh, I hear there's an opening on uh, Fox News in primetime at 8 p.m apparently so they may be listening so I you know I wanna I want to do a good job yes please do all right uh, that said uh, Fox News primetime time. Star Tucker Carlson appears to have been fired today for some reason. That is big news, though at this hour, it's still unclear why exactly. Was it related to the last week's 760? $87.5 million settlement with Dominion Voting Systems? Is it related to ongoing settlements with the Smartmatic voting machine company, which still has a pending $2.7 billion lawsuit against Fox? Is it related to a lawsuit recently filed by one of Tucker's former producers charging? that his office was a toxic, sexist workplace. We do not know at this hour, but maybe, if time allows, we'll take some calls on that a little bit later at 818-985-5735. Don't know if we'll have time, but there's your number. Also today, in a uh, apparently a bloodbath day for cable news, I guess, CNN's Don Lemon has been let go, which is actually really a problem, I suspect, mostly for Fox News producers today, as I'm sure they really want to dance on Don Lemon's grave all day. But how <laughs> oh, you know they do. But how can they do it without, you know, w- while still trying to ignore or minimize the news of their own top star getting the boot? Oh, the tangled webs they weave. Uh, but for the moment here today. I'm quite certain that that news and all of the related schadenfreude on all sides of the political cable news fence will be discussed pretty much everywhere else today across the corporate media. So allow me to pick up on a story that we've been covering for well over a year on this program at this point, damn near exclusively on the public airwaves, unfortunately, Uh, but a story that had several big updates, happily, yes, including from the corporate media uh, late on Friday, thanks in no small part to several fairly regular guests on this here broadcast. And I'd like to make sure that that critical news does not get lost entirely amid the news of Tucker and other problems at the nation and the world's most dangerous institution – known unironically as Fox News. So we begin here today. Over the past year or so, we've been trying to draw attention to what is now clearly a multi-state criminal conspiracy regarding unlawful voting system hardware and software breaches by right-wing Trump-supporting MAGA conspiracists in the wake of the 2020 presidential election. Software breaches that uh, mostly but not entirely were centered on sensitive voting and tabulation software made by Dominion voting systems in Colorado, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, perhaps in Nevada. And as we helped break on this program last year in the great state of Georgia where voters across the entire state are forced at the polling place to vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion and where Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump back in 2020 by just about 10,000 votes. Systems there in Georgia that were both personally selected by the state's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensberger, and programmed at the state level in all of the counties, really unlike pretty much every other state in the union where systems are selected and programmed on a county by county level. Not so in Georgia. It's all done at the state level. And that means that a break in and a breach and a copying of sensitive voting and tabulation systems software in any one county in Georgia means that, well, those people who conducted the break-in and copied and shared the software online as they did in Georgia would then pretty much have disturbing insight and or potentially access to the entire statewide system in the Peach State, as well as Uh, Similar insight into vulnerabilities in other jurisdictions around the country which use the same or very similar touchscreen voting systems made by the same company. Several large uh, counties out here in California, for instance. Now, the breach of voting and tabulation system software in Georgia happened first in Georgia on January 7, 2021. That's the day after Donald Trump's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. It is two days after the U.S. Senate runoff that was held in the state on January 5, 2021. And the evidence of that break-in in Georgia, which we have since learned, was facilitated by Republicans On the local board of elections, the county commission, and other members of the Republican Party in the state and county, this was done in a small, rural, Republican-leaning Georgia county known as Coffee County. The scheme we have since learned, thanks to details obtained through a long-standing federal suit in the state and eventually reported by the Washington Post some months ago, was coordinated by Donald Trump's attorney, Sidney Powell, and it included, among others, a guy named Doug Logan. That name may sound familiar. He's the dude who ran that dumb, corrupt right-wing group known as Cyber Ninjas, who carried out that failed, if hilarious, so-called post-election audit of Maricopa County's 2020 presidential election in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, we first learned about the breach in Georgia, in Coffee County, thanks to a phone call that was made by an Atlanta area businessman, a guy by the name of Scott Hall. A phone call that was smartly recorded by longtime election integrity champion Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. If you listen to the broadcast, you probably are familiar with her name. She has been a guest on our program many times. The uh, the Coalition for Good Governance is a nonprofit good government group that has that long running federal lawsuit against the state of Georgia seeking to ban those 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems entirely, the ones that are made by Dominion Voting. Maryland's lawsuit had previously succeeded in uh, in the federal court in the state in obtaining an order from the judge banning Georgia's previous 100 percent unverifiable and unsecure touchscreen voting systems that were made by Diebold. So that was a success. But then After winning that ban of Diebold touchscreens, well, they were, you know, only to see them replaced by Secretary Raffensperger with similarly unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion after Raffensperger had ignored cybersecurity and voting systems experts' warnings about those systems. Here's a bit of that phone call between Scott Hall and Marilyn Marks, as he apparently believing that she was a stop the steal ally, which she is decidedly not, uh, pretty much confessing to the entire, until then, secret plot by Republican MAGA folks to unlawfully breach and copy voting systems in Coffee County, Georgia. You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers. I went down there, we scanned every freaking ballot. You know, the same people that went up to Michigan, okay, and did all that forensic stuff on the computers, and they sent their team down to Coffee County, Georgia, and they scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives, and scanned every single ballot.
2: They imaged the hard drives? Yes. How in the world did you get permission to do that? We basically had the entire elections committee there. Okay. And they said, we give you permission. Go for it.
0: Mm. Go for it, eh? Okay. All that stuff he's describing, by the way, is decidedly unlawful. He is confessing to breaching the voting systems in Coffee County, Georgia. Now, that... On its face, seems worth investigating by the Secretary of State of Georgia, at the very least, but also by criminal investigators. So as disturbing as that evidence was uh, that you probably heard for the first time here on the broadcast, I believe we were the first to air it. it, it seems to have caught the attention of Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fani Willis, who is probing the larger Trump-led conspiracy to strong-arm state officials to reverse the 2020 election results, where Trump had lost that year. This multifaceted, coordinated, multi-state Republican conspiracy, and that's what it was, to unlawfully breach voting system software in several states across the country. Following 2020, while it's being, we think, investigated by the uh, district attorney in Fulton County in Atlanta, it does not appear to be part of the investigation that is currently being carried out by uh, DOJ special counsel Jack Smith for some reason. Why? We don't know. Smith is investigating the January 6th insurrection and Trump's other multiple failed attempts to steal that year's election. But as far as we can tell... This breach in Coffee County, Georgia, and in all of the other states. Which would be a federal crime, a multi state conspiracy, that is not being investigated by Smith, as far as we can tell. We discussed that matter last month on the broadcast with government watchdog group FreeSpeechForPeople.org's Susan Greenhall. She's another longtime election integrity expert. At the time, Greenhall and more than a dozen well respected cybersecurity and voting systems experts had sent a 14 page letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland at the DOJ and to FBI Director Christopher Wray as well as the director of the DHS Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, asking for a probe of what they described as a, quote, multi-state conspiracy to copy voting system software. The answer they received was, as the LA Times described it at the time, terse and noncommittal and indicated that no action had been or would be taken at the federal level. We spoke with Greenhall on this show last month about that strange response that they got back uh, from the FBI and the seeming lack of interest by federal investigators in this matter. And now, last week, Greenhall and Free Speech for People attorney Ron Fine followed up the letter, the earlier letter to Garland and Ray, and also this time to Special Counsel Jack Smith, After plowing through documents and testimony from the House January 6th committee, where they discovered that the plot to breach those voting systems in multiple states was not only overseen and funded by Trump lawyer Sidney Powell... As had previously been known in this case, but actually began during an infamous insane Oval Office meeting on December 18 of 2020 with Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Michael Flynn and Mark Meadows and others all there as they were first discussing an executive order, which was never issued, to have the military seize the nation's voting machines around the country which then turned instead to a conversation about breaching those systems in a different and quieter way. So this past Friday, Uh, There were two pretty huge related stories on all of this based on Susan Greenhall's latest letter from corporate media outlets. This response, Uh, two of them who finally seem to be noticing this matter. CNN's Zachary Cohn first reported on Friday that Trump's operatives in Georgia considered using that breached voting data to try and decertify Georgia's U.S. Senate runoff election in 2021 on January 5, the runoff election between Democratic Senator John Ossoff and Republican David Perdue. That, according to text messages that were obtained during the discovery process in Maryland, Marks and the Coalition for Good Governance's federal lawsuit in Georgia seeking to block the use of those Dominion voting systems. As Cohn reported at CNN on Friday, quote, Here's the plan. Jim, Pen- <clears throat> Jim Penrose, a former NSA official working with Trump lawyer Sidney Powell to access the machines in Georgia, wrote in a January 19 text to Doug Logan, the CEO of Cyber Ninjas. In the text, Penrose references the upcoming certification of John Ossoff's win over Republican David Perdue. Quote, we only have until Saturday to decide if we are going to use this report to try to decertify the Senate runoff or if we hold it off for a bigger moment, according to Penrose in these texts. A bigger moment well, what was that, quote, bigger moment? We don't know. And as far as we can tell, they do—they did not use whatever information that they believe they gleaned from the breach of the voting system software in Georgia in order to try and prevent the certification of the U.S. Senate race that year. But they sure were thinking about it. And I sure will ask my guest joining me momentarily about exactly that. But all of all of that, of course, certainly seems worth investigating Not just on a state level, as Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis is believed to be doing, but also at the federal level. This is a multi-state conspiracy organized, as we now know, by Trump attorney Sidney Powell, but it goes higher than that. Just a few hours later, uh, last Friday, the New York Times jumped in on this story, also citing Greenhall and Fine's letter to the DOJ and the FBI, where the letter had cited new dis- newly discovered January 6th testimony collected by the bipartisan House Select Committee. As the Times, Richard Fawcett and uh, Danny Hakim reported on late Friday evening, uh, quote, former president Donald J. Trump took part. In a discussion about plans to access voting system software in Michigan and Georgia as part of the effort to challenge his 2020 election loss. That, according to testimony from former Trump advisors, allies of Mr. Trump ultimately succeeded in copying the elections software in those two states. We actually know that they succeeded in several other states as well. But in any case, back to The New York Times, testimony to the January 6th committee from one aide who attended the meeting, Derek Lyons, a former White House staff secretary and counselor, was highlighted in a letter from Free Speech for People. Lyons recounted that uh, during the meeting, Rudy Giuliani, then Trump's personal attorney, opposed seizing voting machines and spoke of how the Trump campaign was instead, quote, going to be able to secure access to voting machines in Georgia through means other than seizure and that the access would be, quote, voluntary. Really? Other attendees offered similar testimony to the committee. Well, that's news. This goes all the way into the Oval Office. And Donald Trump was there. The Free Speech for People letter to the DOJ concludes this way, quote, testimony published by the January 6th committee suggests that in addition to discussing and rejecting a plan to use federal government agencies to obtain sensitive voting system software, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Patrick Byrne, he's the billionaire former CEO of Overstock.com, who's been funding much of this, and Mark Meadows, who was then Trump's chief of staff. They also they also appear to have discussed with Donald Trump a plan to have non-governmental entities And individuals covertly and unlawfully access and copy voting system software on behalf of the Trump campaign and in the campaign's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. This plot, they write was carried out successfully in Georgia and in Michigan at the direction of Sidney Powell on behalf of the Trump campaign. The software was captured, shared covertly among Trump allies, and is now being used to advance election disinformation. And yet it appears these unlawful activities, which could constitute federal crimes, are not being investigated by federal law enforcement. These events, they write, they conclude demand a vigorous and swift investigation by the Department of Justice, the Special Counsel, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And yet, at least uh, prior to Friday, while we know that at least some of these state breaches in Colorado, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, are being investigated by state local authorities, there is currently no known evidence of of an investigation by federal officials. Why not? What is going on here? And will the fact that Trump, the fact that he was now present, that we now know he was present for the genesis of this criminal plot, will that change for federal investigators at the federal level in the office of special counsel Jack Smith? Will he suddenly be more interested in this? And by the way, why is all of this so critical in advance of the 2024 presidential election. Joining us now, once again today, is Susan Greenhall of FreeSpeechForPeople.org, where she serves as the group's senior advisor on election security and apparently the senior troublemaker and muckraker. Susan Greenhall, welcome back to the <laughs> broadcast. <laughs>
3: Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me
0: again. Good to have you here. You know, it seems to me that the two stories on uh, on on Friday, citing your letter to the DOJ, are substantial steps forward in this story that we've been trying to get folks to notice, both in 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 the public, but more importantly in the corporate media. Most importantly, among federal investigators who need to be investigating this. Now uh, we are able, thanks to your work, uh, to place Donald Trump himself. At the top of this multi-state conspiracy, as we learn the uh, Coffee County breach and all uh, all the others appear to have begun inside the Oval Office during that crazy no crazy meeting on December 18, 2020. Before we get to some specifics about all of this and where this story has moved since Friday, I'm sure I missed some important details in that long opening uh, description, uh, trying to pull a bunch of threads together. Anything jump out at you that I that I missed that we should make clear before moving ahead on this?
3: I I can't. Um, let me think. I think it's important to know. Note, you noted that we have a clear letter from the FBI saying we're not in going to investigate this. We also did public records requests to the mm-hmm. county to see if they've been contacted by any federal um, agents or investigators, and we did. Got, we got no responsive records, which means there are none. You know that they can if they hold records back, they have to tell you. Um, so we know that they haven't been contacted by any federal agencies. So we're very confident that there hasn't been any federal mm. um, activity, unfortunately. And I would just say one thing. Um, there has been coverage of this by CNN in the past. Mm-hmm. So. Um, while it's not, as been, not been as much as I think we need to see, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to to give them a, you know, short shrift. Fair enough. They have been covering this.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, let's discuss the uh, the, the two points that CNN and then later uh, New York Times reported on Friday. Uh, two of the guys who had breached the Coffee County voting system in Georgia were discussing whether they should use whatever they thought that they learned uh, from that breach to uh, prevent certification of the Ossoff-Purdue U.S. Senate runoff. What did they think they learned? Do we know anything about this report they referred to should we use this report to prevent decertification, uh, or should we use it for a bigger moment? Uh, what do, do we have any idea what they're even talking about there? And, and did did they use it to somehow try and prevent the certification in Georgia of that Senate race?
3: Uh, not that I'm aware of, and I haven't seen this report, so I I don't can't speak to anything that would be in it or could be in it. Mm-hmm. But that's why we need to have a federal investigation with the powers of criminal subpoena. Criminal investigation subpoena is not um, the Coalition for Good Governance trying to find out this information through a civil lawsuit. It's not really their job. It's not um, central to it's it's a very big part of their lawsuit. But... It's um, you know there's only so much we can expect them to do, and they shouldn't even have to do any of it. It should be the job of the the people who are taxpayer dollars are paying mm-hmm. to protect us from these sort of federal conspir, uh, you know, federal yeah. uh, crimes. So, we'd like to see that kind of investigation so we can know exactly what they meant. But we do know that this um, the software that was taken was uh, used at a presentation very recently at CPAC to claim that once again that the 2020 election. Was stolen from Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and this doesn't. What was provided wasn't really uh, meaningful at all. But it, it, it's this is one way that we think that people could be using the software going forward. And we can't get too distracted by looking back at what happened in 2020 or even in the runoff in 2021. But we really need to be investigating, holding people accountable, and prosecuting anyone that committed a crime. To, to prevent this from going n- in new plots mm-hmm. from going forward, because well, I don't think we can expect that they've stopped.
0: And that's what, uh, you know, when they say, uh, should we use it to try to decertify the U.S. Senate race or should we hold it for a bigger moment? Uh, unclear what they're referring to. But, for example, uh, could this be something that they're scheming, plotting uh, to use during somehow during the 2024 presidential election? Uh, if this isn't run to ground right now by federal investigators,
3: yeah, and it certainly sounds ominous, doesn't it? Use it for a bigger moment. Yeah. Um, we don't, you know, we don't know what that means. And also, not prosecuting these people, not investigating, uh, you know, prosecuting people that may have committed crimes, and not investigating. Tells, sends the signal, this is okay. You can go ahead and, and take this software, and you can plan on using it for some bigger moment, and nobody's going to come and hold you accountable for it. And I, I hope that's not the message that we're trying to, that the federal government is trying to send.
0: Well, and it's – yeah. I mean, it is wildly unlawful to do this. Is there is there a concern? We've talked a little bit about this in the past when we've had John and Susan. Is it, talk to me about the concern among cybersecurity and voting systems – experts uh, that, you know, whatever was learned during these breaches, whether in Coffee County, Georgia, or in the other states, that this somehow, uh, can it be used to actually steal or or hack a future election?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the concerns. Uh, The concerns that have been articulated to me by the cybersecurity experts is, one, that this could be used in disinformation campaigns, which are already seen. we've seen that happen and we're already seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. It could be used to fabricate evidence. So keep in mind that in 2020, when all those lawsuits failed, it's because there wasn't any real credible or compelling evidence. But software is mutable. You can play around with it. Could this be used to try and fabricate some false evidence to say, oh, look, this is what we found on these voting machines, and look, they stole the election. And then most ominously, um, to use the software to tailor, to develop and tailor some sort of malware that mm. um, could be deployed to actually start stealing votes in the very way that um, uh, we had people you know, arguing were, we're done uh, in the 2020 election, mm-hmm. but now it's coming from the same people that are um, that actually made those outrageous and unbased uh, baseless claims uh, now have the, ammunition and basically the keys to the vault that could enable them to do much more nefarious things like actually hack an election.
0: Now, let's get to the New York Times uh, side of this story, what they followed up with on uh, late on Friday. Um, and this is you digging into those House January 6 transcripts and basically finding that Donald Trump staffers testified that Trump himself was aware of this plot. That seems pretty huge. That seems like uh even if uh, Jack Smith up to now wasn't investigating it well now it's right in the oval office it's right in Donald Trump's uh, lap no i don't know how you could avoid it at that point Uh
3: yeah that's what the transcripts show from the depositions and it's important to keep in mind too that the timeline of when this happened was that Coffee County the incidents in Coffee County was starting to be revealed in the spring of 2022 and then really kind of ramped up and took shape where we really understood kind of the whole contours of the plot, not till the late summer of 2022. And so a lot of those depositions were being taken in the spring and early summer of 2022. So the investigators weren't really... fully aware of this plot to be able to probe it in a, in a really thorough way because n- nobody even knew what had happened in Coffee County mm-hmm. when some of these depositions were taken so we we can see them discussing the plot and um and then mentioning it and mentioning this voluntary plan to get access to the software um and then yeah well we heard that some of it was in coffee county and some of it was in georgia um and then also in michigan and uh, other places as well mm-hmm. um and then it's and then put together with what we find what we learn later on you get a much bigger picture it kind of colors and fills it out and we know And it kind of makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly discussed in the presence of Donald Trump while he was in the Oval Office or in the White House at the time. Um, And uh, it it, it brings him into this picture where previously we had seen it go up as far as Sidney Powell, and now we see it can go up to Donald Trump.
0: Yep. Uh, now, I, I know, Susan Greenhall, you have been uh, trying for months to determine um, uh, you know, whether uh, the DOJ and, and Special Counsel Jack Smith were, in fact, looking into this matter. And as you said, all signs so far suggest no, they are not. But CNN's Zach Cohn, in his report, does say, quote, Special Counsel Jack Smith also appears to be examining the broader effort to breach or seize voting machines as part of his federal probe into efforts to overturn in the 2020 election and the January 6 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Uh, do you have any idea actually what he may be referring to there? Because uh, he doesn't include any actual evidence in support of that uh, claim, but it seems to contradict what I understand you were saying uh, that you've learned from the FBI on this. Any idea what that reference is saying that he appears to be examining the, uh, the broader effort to breach the machines in his probe?
3: Yeah, I actually asked the reporter about that, and he pointed to um, publicly available uh, reporting, which says that Jack Smith is looking into the draft executive order and the plan to seize voting machines using the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense. And so I'm glad that Jack Smith is looking at that, but I have seen no evidence that he's looking at this other plot, and I think it's really important for... People to understand that there were two plans, mm-hmm. and one plan did not succeed and was shot down in in the Oval Office by White House counsels, and they said, "Don't do that. That's crazy." And that was the the plan to seize the machines with the DoD. Mm-hmm. And we know Jack Smith is looking at that. And then there's another plan to get a hold of the machines voluntarily, which we know did proceed and was successful in at least. Um, Classy Co- uh, County, Georgia, and Michigan. We don't know how far else it extends. Um, it could be in other states as well. They could have been successful in other states as well why we need a federal investigation, yeah. but we don't have any evidence that he's investigating that plan to seize voting machines.
0: Well, what did you hear back? Uh, you said that, you know, what you've heard, you you did get a response to your 14-page letter that you and about uh, more than a dozen experts in cybersecurity and voting systems uh, sent um, you got a response back from the FBI. What makes you believe they are not looking into this matter? What did they say? Because normally I would, I would presume that they don't comment on investigations, even if they were investigating this. They might say, uh, you know, we, we don't discuss ongoing investigations. What was it that they said to you in their letter that makes you so certain that, in fact, they're not looking into it, or at least they weren't at the time?
3: Well, that that's what was so peculiar, because I would have expected either to not hear anything or to hear something saying we can't comment. Instead, they said pretty explicitly, if we are asked by local authorities, um, we will investigate, but we can't a- investigate unless we've been asked by the local authorities to come and investigate, which is Strange on its face for two reasons. One is that we know the federal government can investigate potential federal crimes within the states, that they don't have to wait for local authorities to ask that Mm -hmm. if that were the case, the feds would never investigate any corrupt local police officers or DAs or so, um, because they're not going to rat on themselves and ask the feds to come in and investigate them. Um, But moreover, the... State election board did ask for an investigation, or at least they represented publicly that they have. They, the chair, made a statement at a board meeting where he said, "We've called in the FBI because of the multi-state nature of this incident, um, and that it should be investigated by the feds." And they didn't seem to know that. We wrote back to them and we cited to the transcript from the state elections board and said, actually, the local authorities have asked you to come in and investigate. Um, why are you not r- respecting that request? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not heard back from them okay. on that letter. Um, but the they, we know that the feds have said no, and as I mentioned, we hmm. put out public records requests too, and we know... That, um, according to Coffee County, nobody from the federal agencies that we have been highlighting this for have contacted them about anything.
0: Well, th- you know, this is also particularly strange, uh, Susan Greenhall, because it is the local authorities here who appeared to have been corrupt to have been, appeared to have been part of the plot members of the, uh, the 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 local county board of elections members of the local election commission members of the uh, well the local republican local and state republican party and all the way up as far as I can tell, uh, through through my investigations of this and speaking to you and other people familiar with it, all the way up to the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who I know a lot of people think is some sort of a hero because he didn't, you know, fold and, and uh, you know, flip the election for Donald Trump when Trump called and st- strong-armed him and said, you know, I just need you to find 11,000 votes for me. So a lot of people see him as a hero, but he is no hero here. He is the one who uh, selected these— uh, terrible voting systems in the first place when everyone told him not to. And frankly, from what I can tell, maybe you have different information. He appears to have been working very hard to cover up whatever the hell happened in Coffee County. So, I, you know, for the feds to say, well, we're waiting for a local authority to ask us to investigate, it's the local authorities who caused the problem here in the first place. I don't think they want the feds to come in and investigate. That seems insane.
3: Yes, um, I I agree. Um, I think first of all, not trying to steal a federal, not not acquiescing to a mob boss request to steal a federal election is a pretty low bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that makes anyone a hero. But the um, what we've seen is that the the Georgia Secretary of State's office has. Slow walked has um, dismissed for for months um, dismissed that uh, this happened even when there was when you, that um, audio that you played at the top of the show was revealed to them mm-hmm. they didn't do anything and a couple months after that audio Gabe Sterling who everybody probably knows as the deputy secretary of state of Georgia who um, very famously said nobody should get killed for. Mm-hmm where they're working for working elections is right. also kind of a low bar,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, uh, went to the Carter Center and told people that it absolutely didn't happen. There was no breach in Coffee County, and people are going around and saying these crazy things. So rather than take the information seriously and try and investigate it, we've seen it dismissed. In fact, um, back in May of 2021, so Two years ago, timeline-wise, mm-hmm. this is just a mere couple months after the actual breach happened. The election director who permitted the breach got fired. Mm-hmm. A new guy came in, mm-hmm. and he found Doug Logan's business card in the office.
0: The and Cyber Ninjas him. guy. Yeah. The
3: Cyber Ninjas guy, yep. the guy from the fraud in Arizona. Yep. And he was alarmed because he knew, that he knew the guy's reputation. He knew what he was all about, and he contacted the Secretary of State's office and said, I'm really alarmed to see Doug Logan's business card here. Um, and the Secretary of State's office said, okay, we're going to open an investigation into this. Um, and then the trail goes cold. There's no evidence whatsoever of an investigation. <laughs> they have no no information what, to, what at all about yeah. it. Apparently nothing truly happened. But all they really needed to do was go back and look at the security footage that Marilyn Marks and the Coalition for Good Governance Mm -hmm. um, were able to get a hold of in in them doing their incredible work, which showed Doug Logan walking in doing whatever he wanted to the voting machines for, you know, a couple days. So...
0: Um, it showed Doug, Lo- Doug Logan walking in. It showed the uh, uh, Kathy Latham, the woman who yes. was formerly the pre- uh, the uh, the chair of the state Republican Party. She had testified in the case, I believe, that, oh, she was only there for five minutes. And then they got the security camera footage, which uh, Washington Post's Emma Brown, as I recall, first broke several months ago, showing that actually Kathy Latham, she was there for hours and hours and hours <laughs> as they were breaching these voting systems.
3: That's right. Kathy Lazen is also a fake elector from Georgia. She's somebody who right now is um, under investigation by Fonnie Willis for being a fake elector, and she is the local GOP party chair. Um, And so, yeah, if they had bothered to just get the security camera footage, they would have known about this in May of 2021. But did they and decided they needed to not look at the security camera footage? We don't know. It's very peculiar that they... Were alerted that something had gone, that something looked amiss in Coffee County. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they they had to take the server from Coffee County when the new election director came in after um, the previous one had been fired because the password had been changed and the Secretary of State's office had did not have the new password on their records, which they're supposed to. The new election director couldn't get in. They tried to have Dominion help them get in. They couldn't get in. And they finally had to take the server and swap it out and replace it with another one. And they didn't think to maybe investigate and see if anyone messed around with it.
0: (laughs) Which is, you know, none of this stuff. I mean, this is all, like, the reddest flags I have ever seen in all regards, from the county level to the state level, and, yes, all the way up to the goddamn White House. Red flags are waving. Sirens are wailing. And this appear, uh, but apparently it's left to you, uh, Susan Greenhall of Free Speech for People and Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance and occasionally the Brandcast to report on this stuff to figure out what's going on instead of the, you know, the uh, rather uh, more impressive resources of, oh, I don't know, the state government in Georgia. I don't know, the federal government uh at, at the uh, at the DOJ by the way if you if anybody wants to ring in on this uh you know to help keep my head from exploding our phone number is 818-985-5735 if you have any thoughts or questions for me or Susan 818-985-KPFK uh if you want to jump in on any of this but uh Susan how about congress i i believe i saw uh, I actually, I know I saw uh, just before heading over to the studio today, uh, January 6th committee member, and I was happy to see this, uh, January 6th committee member, uh, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California, talking about this matter, this very matter on MSNBC just before coming to the studio today. As a matter of fact, it was on Nicole Wallace's show. They spent about a half hour on it. That was good news. Has there been any uh, demands or uh, from lawmakers Uh Zoloffgren Zolofgren seemed to feel like, yeah, this is important. Uh, Jack Smith ought to be on this now. But has there been any actual official calls from Congress, members of Congress, members of the House January 6th Committee to Jack Smith, to Merrick Garland, to the DOJ to look into this matter specifically?
3: Not yet. Um, we are going to remain hopeful that somebody is going to step up and and use their voice and their platform to start asking questions, but we are um, at this stage of the game, it's been a little bit disappointing that we haven't uh, seen any any uh, members of Congress uh, start mm. to ask questions of the DOJ or, or the special counsel or the FBI.
0: I, I'm hoping that Changes as of uh, now, and I'm hoping that uh, because this is actually the story by The New York Times it broke late on Friday, uh, you know, basically placing this whole breached software conspiracy, multi-state conspiracy inside the Oval Office in Donald Trump's lap that broke late on Friday. I was kind of looking forward to what would happen, uh, you know, by the time we get to Monday on this. Hopefully people would jump in. I was glad to see Nicole Wallace did. I don't know who else is. Uh, probably thanks in no part to uh, Tucker Carlson getting fired by Fox News today, which is sort of sucking uh, the oxygen out, I suspect, of, uh, of the news cycle. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we'll hear from more people. Have you been hearing from more people? I believe you were named uh, in, the, uh, in the New York Times story on this. Have you been hearing from more news organizations suddenly becoming more interested in this since Friday's story in the Times?
3: Yeah, we have heard uh, heard from some um, reporters who are interested in, in looking into this, so I think we've piqued interest, and that's great, because there is a lot more to this story to report. Yep. Um, you know, As you know, Brad, mm-hmm. even with this long-form interview where you've covered so much information, it's still kind of just the tip of the iceberg, and there is a lot more information yep. um, underneath that can still be reported. So, yep. yeah, I'm glad to hear that there's... Uh, see that, that we're getting contacted and hoping to see um, more coverage coming out and different aspects of it.
0: Fair Definitely. enough. Uh, yeah, there's there's just on Brad Raffensburger alone, I suspect there's a whole lot more to report on the Secretary of State of Georgia and why he has taken seemingly no action when his own uh, voting machines that he oversees in his own county, in his own state, have been breached. And where the hell is Brad Raffensperger? Anyway, uh, Susan Greenhall, congratulations on uh, on your excellent work. You shouldn't have to do it. Marilyn Mark shouldn't have to do it. But boy, am I glad that you guys are doing it. So uh, keep up the good work. Susan Greenhall is a uh, longtime uh, election integrity and transparency expert and champion and advocate. She's now senior advisor on election security at freespeechforpeople.org. You can find uh, them on on Twitter at F-S-F-P, as in free speech for people. And you can find Susan on uh, Twitter as well at S.E. Greenhall. Thanks, Susan, for all you do. I suspect we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Brad. You bet. All right, we'll take a quick break here, and we will come back with, uh, if you do. If you guys do want to get in on this, 818-985-5735. Our phone number is 818-985-KPFK. We are on um, Fundrive right now. So when you call in, if you want to get on air, you'll have to hit the option number one if you're in our uh, live listening area in Southern California or you're listening via KPFK.org. Or if you want to call in, same phone number and hit option number two and donate to KPFK. Of course, that would be welcome as well. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you want to talk about Tucker Carlson, I'll talk about him, too. We have a few minutes uh, left after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad here at The Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com/donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you.
3: If you are
0: thought uh, we might be uh, talking about uh, Tucker Carlson in our last few minutes since he's been fired from Fox News and there's that fantastic news. That said... Uh, it looks like, uh, speak of the devil, we have had uh, some of our other guests on the broadcast over the years who have been uh, – were listening today to Susan Greenhall, and they have now called in, including Marilyn Marks, who you heard at the top of the show on that recording with Scott Hall, that right-wing MAGA dude who confessed to everything on a phone call that Marilyn Marks was smart enough to be able to hit record uh, that – that set all of this in motion that first taught us about the Coffee County breach, voting breach that we now know goes all the way up to the Oval Office and to Donald Trump when he was sitting there. That is all thanks to Marilyn Marks, the founder of the uh, Coalition for Good org, and she rang in to say hello. Hey, Marilyn, welcome back to the Bradcast.
2: Thank you, Brad. <laughs> I appreciate you're your putting me through, and thank you so much for how You have both introduced some time ago now this story and kept after it and continued to advance the story. Thank you for that. Thank you for having the brilliant Susan Greenhall of Free Speech for People on. I will tell you that she has been incredible in the work that Free Speech for People has encouraged her to do, has, has advanced the knowledge here. So much as you are seeing that the bigger media is finally covering. So, so thank you for well, that. Uh, but I have a suggestion for your audience.
0: Okay, good. Because I thought, oh, you're. Audience. I thought I saw you were there, and I thought, oh boy, she's calling in to tell me I screwed something up. So I'm no, okay, no, good. Okay, all right. What's the suggestion? Okay,
2: you've got an uh, you've got an uh, activist audience, of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm. One of the things they can do today is they can contact their senators. Mm-hmm. The, the, your type of audience would know who their senators are. They know how to contact them. Mm-hmm. And to say, look, there needs to be a federal investigation, both law enforcement as well as a Senate investigation, on how did this happen to our voting system, not just who the criminals are. Mm-hmm. How did this happen? What do we need to do to secure our voting systems to make sure this type of stuff doesn't happen again? Because that's not really law enforcement's job. But your audience can make sure that U.S. senators are hearing from them because, quite frankly, they have just not been interested in this or even this breach.
0: Okay, why? Why is that, Marilyn? Because that's the question. Why is this happening? Why is it so hard to re- get, get uh, whether it's uh, Congress, whether it's Jack Smith, whether it's anyone else, whether it's the media, why is it so hard to get them into the, interested in this story, which seems to be wildly unlawful?
2: It does. <laughs> and I'm, I'm afraid that it is because voting system security has kind of become this partisan taboo topic when obviously it should be exactly the opposite. Nobody wants to talk about why the voting systems are insecure, Mm -hmm. how this could have happened, what it means, is because they're afraid that people will lose confidence in the voting system rather than what you've been saying for years. The voting system needs to earn the confidence. Mm -hmm. The confidence can't be dictated. And they are not yet at a place to say, we've got to create a system and understand, you know, what went wrong. We've got to create a system that will earn the confidence of the people. And so they're just in a holding pattern and leaving us at great peril for the 2024 election.
0: Do you think the uh, New York Times story on Friday night, placing this entire thing right into the Oval Office, right into Donald Trump's lap, will actually make a difference in the way it's being uh, covered by the media and therefore by the lawmakers? And therefore Jack Smith as well.
2: I've gotten a lot of calls since um, Friday when CNN aired theirs, and then uh, New York Times uh, had their story. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of calls from the media, and so far, no one is asking, and no one wants to talk about, okay, what does this mean for 2024, Mm -hmm. and how do we protect 2024? That's not yet a subject people want to talk about.
0: Uh, Marilyn, hang uh, on. Your
2: audience uh, can help.
0: Uh, with uh, uh, a call or a, a letter or an email to your U.S. senator. I've got just a minute or two left here, uh, Marilyn. Hang on the line. we got another call. Also, well, I think you're in North Carolina. Gene uh, Dufort is in um, uh, Georgia, a great longtime activist down there in yeah. Georgia. Let me... Uh, Let's see if I can get her, get both of you on at the same time without screwing this up. Uh, Jean Dufort, are, are you there?
1: I am. And uh, let me tell you, you are my favorite Brad.
0: <laughs> of all the Brads, between me and Raffensburger. Uh, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take whatever I can get these days. Uh, Gene, what, what, is, what is your thought? What is your opinion on the idea of why it is so hard? This is something that seems so obviously corrupt and disturbing. Why is it so hard to get attention to this by whether it's from uh, federal legislators or uh, media or lawmakers and, uh, and so forth?
1: So I think Marilyn hit the nail on the head. You know, she and Susan and others have been working tirelessly for many years in this space. But when the MAGA folks walked in to the space of claiming the system doesn't work, the, the sort of normal people ran away to the corners
0: hey marilyn turn on I, your radio I, there I, for I, a second I, I, if you don't I mind it. i
1: don't have it
2: on oh.
0: i don't have it on oh okay somebody's echoing might be jean i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off jean but i was hearing an echo there so when when the maga people got into this space that scared away everyone else as you it scared see scared
1: away the traditional democrats the the, 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 the non non-nutty people mhm um so so i think that's the problem um, believe it or not, one of the sort of breaking news things, one of the things I did today joining Maryland is um, we have petitioned the Georgia State Election Board to actually, for the first time ever, put in rules in place for what to do when you have a security breach. Part of the problem is, of course, the Coffee County people invited them in, but 158 other counties don't know what to do about that. Hmm. They don't have tools. They don't have guidance in the rules, nothing. So one of the proactive things we're doing is saying to the state election board you need you need to have some rules that include mandatory reporting and mandatory response when there's a security breach. We yeah. can't sit on their hands anymore.
0: Uh, well, that is good. Uh, Gene, you you were in uh, you are in Georgia. You were there early in this story. I, I recall that uh, the Atlanta Journal Constitution was hardly covering any of this. Is this new news that broke on Friday? Is that getting covered now, uh, as far as you can tell, in uh, Atlanta in in Georgia media? are they are they now finally in on this story?
1: So a group of AJC, the Atlanta Journal uh, Constitution reporters put out a daily bulletin called the Joint, the Jolt, and today it was the headline story. So we are it warms our heart to see them bringing some, some really careful and close attention to this story. Of course, they had to say CNN broke it and we haven't verified it. But, but yeah. still,
0: they really did feature the story today. Well, I'm glad they featured it. But, yes, they should have been the ones to break it, frankly. That's kind of maddening. Uh, I, I think we got to get out here, uh, ladies. Really appreciate you uh, following up uh, with our conversation with Susan. Of course, I appreciate all that uh, you guys do, and we will uh, no doubt have both of you back as uh, full guests on this program in the not too distant future. Gene uh, Dufort and Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good I hope you will support uh, their work as well. Uh, and yes, touch base with your senator. Uh, thanks, Marilyn. Thanks, Jane. Appreciate it. Also, thanks to Susan Greenhall, of course, of FreeSpeechForPeople.org, to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Wendell Handy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'd love to hear from you. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, you'll find me at TheBradBlog. We will see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
1: You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.